Well, good morning. I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Philemon. Now, you have to be going to Philemon to get there. In my Bible, at least, it is just one page. Uh, Shortest book in the Bible, I I think. I compared it to Jude. Uh, Jude and Philemon both have 25 verses, but... Jude, evidently the verses are a little bit more wordy because it takes up about a page and a half in my Bible, and and in my Bible, Philemon only takes up one page. So I think it is the shortest book in the Bible. So it is right after Titus, and if you get to Hebrews, you've got to back up a little bit. You've gone too far. It's it's, uh, right before Hebrews. So we've been going through Hebrews in Sunday school here recently, so uh, if you've got a bookmark in Hebrews for Sunday school, it shouldn't be too hard to find Philemon. Now, I need to explain a little bit. Uh, Two weeks ago, John spoke that Sunday morning. And after church, Alice and I, Alice Bishop and I, were talking, were visiting a little bit. And and I'm not sure what prompted her to say this. So after today, her and I need to compare notes and see if she was getting the same thing out of Philemon that I'm going to try to illustrate this morning. But she said, I wish one of you guys would talk about Philemon and Onesimus. Hmm. I said, okay. I kind of made a mental note of that. I said, all right. In a month or two, when it comes my turn again, well, that's something, I'll have something to start from. Well, imagine my surprise when two weeks later it's my turn again. So, <laughs> I wasn't really expecting that. But I had to dig pretty quick and pretty deep, you know, to come up with, with uh, what I was going to talk about this morning. So, I do want to go through Philemon. There's, there's several lessons, just, you know, like I said, just 25 verses, just one page. But there are lots of lessons. I mean... Anyone that has even casually studied the Bible is quick to recognize that whatever passage you study, there are just all sorts of lessons that come up, all sorts of things to learn, and everyone that reads the same passage is going to come up with a different lesson, with a different truth, uh, and, and something that, so we can just, you know, we spend forever studying the Bible, and we're never going to understand it all. It just won't happen. We just won't understand it all in this life. So every time we read it, every time we go through a passage, there's something new for us. So what what I came up with for today, I don't know if it will be the same thing that, that you conclude or not. But in, in Philemon, in just these few short verses, there are just all sorts of lessons. Number one, overlaid, overlaying all of it is the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus will cover just about any situation, uh, anything that we're going through in life. Um, one, one thing that really sticks out to me, uh, we're talking here about a guy named Philemon and a guy named Onesimus. And Onesimus is, is actually Philemon's, you know, politely we say servant, but he was Philemon's slave. Now, uh, we need to understand a little bit about slavery. You know, the, the slavery, the history of slavery in our country, uh, you know, we think of physical brutality and all that went with that and the horrific war that finally ended slavery probably the worst conflict ever in our nation's history, and we've been involved in quite a few. But um, slavery in different forms has been around ever since there's been mankind. Now, the, what was going on here in the, in the time of the Romans, which is what this is, uh, there was a slave system, a, a system of servanthood that is not really the same as what we think of when we think of slavery. Uh, the physical brutality wasn't there. Uh, now, now some people were, some servants were just, you know, 
did the house chores, uh, carried out the garbage. You know, there was that level of it. But also, you could you could be a a servant. You could have bonded yourself to someone. You could be a business administrator. You could be a banker. You could be uh, there. There was all kinds of what we consider professions. And that's what these people who were bond servants or slaves, that's what they did. And they made a very good living at it, some of them, especially if they had these professional positions. But at the same time, while they were might have been doing a vocation like that, they belonged to another person. There was that uh, sense that they did belong to someone else. So that's kind of, we're not real sure what, what level of, of, uh, of bondsman Onesimus was to Philemon. We do know from reading this letter that at some point Onesimus rebelled, ran away, and probably stole some household goods to finance his trip along the way. And somehow he ended up with Paul. Now, we don't know whether he ran to Paul or if he happened to end up in Rome while Paul was imprisoned there. But in any case, he ended up meeting Paul and became a believer uh, believed the gospel, became saved, and that is where the, what Paul's letter that he's writing to Philemon, that's where it begins. So I'll read through it, uh, the, the whole 25 verses, and then we'll go back and go through it a little bit more. It says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, a, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, Archippus, I butcher a lot of these names, so, I'll just jump over them when I come to them. Uh, and the church in your house. Okay, Philemon and Aphia, uh, they had a house church in uh, uh, um, Colossae. Colossa? Colossae. I think it's Colossae. Colossae? Colossae. There we go. I had to ask Darla, help me out. Tell me how to pronounce this word. Colossae. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit here about uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. But that's where it was. But... but um, Philemon and Aphia, husband and wife, they were head of the church in Colossae. Archippus was their son. And we know from later church history writings that Archippus eventually became the head of the church in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Okay, so Paul has said hello. He has talked about Philemon's faith and about the wonderful relationship that they have. And now he gets into what he wants to talk about. He says, accordingly... Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I don't want to command you. I want to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he may serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not 
be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he has parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so that's the entirety of the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon and sent back to him. Now, we need to do a little background here and get a little bit of context on what's going on, uh, where Paul is, and uh, where Philemon is, and so on. Now, <laughs> just by coincidence, and I just love the way these coincidences work out, but in the, in the daily reading, in the yearly Bible reading, this past week, we have been reading through the last five, six, seven chapters of the book of Acts. Well, that when, when you're reading through those chapters, that is the story of Paul being imprisoned. Uh, first, he's imprisoned in Jerusalem, spends a couple years under house arrest there, uh, where uh, Festus uh, brings him in just pretty regularly to talk about this, that, and the other. And Paul talks to him about the gospel, talks to him about Jesus. Festus questions him, says, well, now, if you'll do this, I'll set you. Know, basically, Festus was trying to get Paul to bribe him, to turn him loose. Well, that never happened. And so eventually, Paul sets out on the journey to Rome. He, he claims his Roman citizenship, saying, you cannot charge me with a crime because I am a Roman citizen. Therefore, you must take me before Caesar. So Paul sets out on this fateful, fateful ship journey, ship voyage, ends up being shipwrecked uh, on the island of Malta and spends some time on Malta and eventually you know, catches another ship, makes his way up the coast of Italy and eventually comes to Rome. Well, when he is in Rome, when he comes to Rome, uh, he goes before the magistrate there, and basically the same thing happens. He is imprisoned under house arrest. What that means is there is a, a guard, a Roman soldier, with him at all times, 24 hours a day. He is not allowed to leave the house. But to Paul, that's an opportunity. He gets to preach to six different Roman soldiers every single day of the week, and he does it. And lots of people are saved because of Paul being in prison. Well, also, this house arrest means that Paul, uh, while he is, he cannot leave the house, he is not restricted in visitors that come to him and the things he's able to do while he is there in, uh, in the house. Well, it's during this period of time, and it's, it's roughly two years, maybe a little bit more, uh, but during this period of time, Paul writes what we know as the prison epistles. And um, there, there's several of these, Colossians being one of them. So what we need to do here, you need to compare a little bit with Philemon and Colossians. And you will notice if you read through the book of Colossians, he talks about the same people. Uh, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Aristarchus. Uh, the, these guys are with him 
while he's in house arrest. And yes, the Luke that is with him is Luke the physician, Luke of the Gospel of Luke. Luke was with him on this journey, and Luke is usually considered to be the scribe, the guy that wrote down what Paul was saying as he wrote all these letters, all these epistles. Um, it is interesting, I find it interesting at least, uh, in, in, uh, here in Philemon, in the 20, 23rd verse, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, and then he goes on down here and talks about Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. But if you read the closing verses of Colossians, he talks about Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Epaphras, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So I'm not sure if he's considering them all prisoners, all fellow workers, or just how he's considering that. But I think I just that just kind of struck me as, as as strange, as interesting, that in one letter he refers to one of them as a prisoner and the other one a worker. And in this letter he refers to the other one as a prisoner and the other a worker. So I think maybe these guys all consider themselves to be prisoners of Christ while they're here with Paul in this um, situation and under this house arrest. Now, so Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. Um, and now you also need to re- need to know, need to remember, uh, Philemon being basically the head of the church in Colossae, or at least this one particular house church, he and his wife are the head of this one church, Paul has this wonderful relationship with him. And in verses 4 through 7, Paul goes into great detail about that, talks about their relationship, how they're partners in Christ. And, you know, it's because of their relationship he knows that he will receive Onesimus back and treat him in the way that Paul wants him to. But Paul has never been to Colossae. Now, on his third missionary journey, he went very close by, but he did not spend any time in Colossae. He went on to Ephesus and spent a lot of time in Ephesus. Well, Ephesus and Colossae are not too far apart, so it's very likely that that was the time when Paul and Philemon got acquainted, either as he passed by briefly past Colossae, met him there, or else Philemon spent some time in Ephesus with Paul. But that, but it was probably Paul's time in Ephesus uh, that, that Paul and Philemon got acquainted and were able to build this relationship. So when Paul is writing this epistle to the Colossians, uh, one, of the, one of the prison epistles, when he's writing this letter to them, it's not people that he's ever actually met. Now, he knows Philemon and has this relationship with him, but he has not met the people there in that city. So he writes this letter to the Colossians, and he sends uh, uh, Tychicus and Onesimus to carry the letter back to Colossae, to carry the letter to the people there. And when you read Colossians, you'll, say, you'll see in there, he says, after this letter has made the rounds, you've all read it, send it on to Laodicea and to other believers along the way. And, and that's the way uh, these, these messages, that's the way these epistles were spread. Uh, basically, they would go, you know, they had their house churches, and they would sit down and read through it and study it until they had it down, copied, you know, understood what he was saying, and then they passed it on. Um, they weren't able to shoot emails all over the world and... They didn't have printing presses to to copy Scripture. Now, one thing that I find quite interesting, uh, because uh, Paul was sending this letter with Tychicus and Onesimus, he sent this this note to Philemon along with it. Now, I kind of have to wonder, you know, I, I wonder if Paul has any idea if the Holy Spirit has laid on his heart 
if he has any notion that all these things that Paul is writing are going to end up being part of the canon, being part of Holy Scripture. Because when you get past the four Gospels, most of the rest of the New Testament are Paul's epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to various churches and various people. And I don't know if Paul had any notion that through history they would be considered part of the canon, part of Holy Scripture or not. If Paul did have some notion of that, if the Holy Spirit had laid on him, hey, what you're writing down is going to be go down in history, if, if Paul had some notion of that, I really doubt that his personal note to Philemon, he considered that to be a part of that. Because that's really what this is. This is just a handwritten personal note to Philemon. And he said, hey, you guys are going to Colossae. Carry this with you. Onesimus, you present this to Philemon because I want you to go back and ask Philemon for forgiveness and make it right with him. That's why he's sending Onesimus back. And in, in you carry this note to him for me because that will help uh, set the say, stage. It will help uh, resolve the issue. It will give some Philemon. Give, it will give Philemon something to think about before he just sees this runaway slave come back and react in a way that would not be good. So Tychicus and Onesimus are carrying the epistle to the Colossians, and they're also carrying this handwritten note to Philemon. So. While Paul probably never could envision this simple little one-page note being part of Holy Scripture, I think it's evidence that the Holy Spirit thought otherwise. There's a reason this is included in our Bible. There's a reason it's part of Holy Scripture. And I think as we go through this a little bit more, uh, what I see coming to me today, and and I don't think it's going to be the same thing that, that you can see as you read through it, You'll, you'll be able to, to get another lesson, learn something else from it. And when I come back a month from now, a year from now, five years from now and read this, I'll probably get something different too. But this is what I'm getting from it today, and that's what I want to share with you. Now, uh, so Paul has, has sent this note with these guys back to Colossae, uh, not only the, uh, the, the big long epistle uh, that he's sending to the church there, but also this note to an individual. He sends this to Philemon. And uh, he starts out here, now the, the first few verses, there's only 25 verses here. The first three verses are basically greetings to Philemon and his family. The last three verses are saying, hey, these are the guys that are with me. They're sending their greetings too. Verses 4 through 7, he's reminding Philemon of this relationship, of this partnership in Christ that they have. So basically, verses uh, 8 through 22, he's making the case for Onesimus here. And he's saying, Paul, I know, he said, now I'm an old man, and I'm a prisoner for Christ, and this, I appeal to you for this guy, for Onesimus. Onesimus came to me as a runaway slave, as a guy in rebellion, as a guy trying to get away. Now, like I said earlier, we're not real sure how he ended up all the way, I mean, it's a long ways from Colossae to Rome, especially if you go by land. If you go by sea, you can shorten the distance quite a bit. But Onesimus probably did not have the means to go by sea. But in any case, he ended up with Rome, where where Paul was uh, under house arrest. He was in imprisonment um, and could not leave. But in any case, Onesimus ended up with Paul. Paul shared the gospel with him. Onesimus uh, repented, came to Jesus, and became a believer. And that's what makes all the difference here. So Paul goes on to say... I became his father. 
while I was in imprisonment. He was useless to you. He ran away. He rebelled. He ran away. He's useless. But now, because he is a child of God, he's no longer useless. He is very useful to you. And I want you to take him back, not only as recovered property. That's not what's important. What's important here, he's coming back to you, a brother in Christ. And that's what's important. That's that's how I want you to receive him. That's what he says as he goes through this. Uh, But verse 14, he says, But I preferred to do nothing without your consent. You know, I wanted to keep Onesimus here because he's so useful to me here in my state of imprisonment. But without your consent, I couldn't do that. He says, I wanted your consent, so that's why I'm sending him back, so that you understand what's going on, so that you understand the change Onesimus has gone through, so that you understand he is now your brother in Christ. And that's what makes all the difference. He says, uh, for this perhaps is why he was parted. Maybe that's why he ran away. Maybe he left you so that he could come back to you as a brother in Christ. That might be the important thing. That's what's really happening here. And that's what Paul is pointing out to Philemon. Uh, more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, and how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. That's one of the key verses here. That's one of the key statements that Paul's making here. If he has wronged you, if he has stolen property, if he has caused you loss in any way, Charge that to me. And uh, he goes on down here. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, basically meaning hey, this is important enough to me that I'm writing this note to you. You know, I'm not, I'm not dictating it to a scribe. I'm writing this down in my own hand, sending it to you so that you will understand what has happened with Onesimus, so that you will understand that as partners in Christ, we have a new brother in Christ. And uh, that, that's the way I want you to receive this, the way I want you to receive him. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me because I'm hoping to come to you. You know, Paul is saying, I have confidence that this mess I'm in here in Rome, I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to come to you and spend time with you. And because I know that we are partners in Christ, you will receive me. You know, make room for me. Make a guest room for me in your house. I hope to come be with you. Okay? So, and that's how he kind of wraps this up. Then he gets on down here to... Um, these last few verses where he says, these are the guys that are here with me. Now, like I said, there's, there's so many things we could have taken, we can take out of this as a lesson. First of all, overlaying it all is the grace of Jesus. Then, then you get to the part where, uh, Paul, you know, when we read the Bible, uh, we read about Paul, we read about David, we read, you know, we read about, uh, the, the mighty saints, we read about the prophets, we read about all these people. That are, uh, you know, we put on a pedestal and think they have done mighty things. And, well, here I am, just, just an ordinary guy. What Paul's writing, pointing out here is he's right, talking to Philemon and talking about Onesimus. Talking about these guys. It's ordinary people that make up the church. That's one of the lessons we need to take from this. It's ordinary people that make up the church. Uh, you know, none of us are probably ever going to attain the, the level of an Elijah or a Moses. It's just not going to happen. You know, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're not going to write like Paul, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do these things that we, when we read the Bible, read the Bible stories. These are the people, but it's, but, but it's us. It's the ordinary people. That's what Paul's saying here. Philemon, Onesimus. It's your household. It's you that make the church, that make up the church. And so that's a lesson we can take from this too. 
But what I want to really, uh, what I really wanted to, uh, what struck me as I went through this and read this, you know, every time we go through the Old Testament, uh, or at least from my, speaking for myself, and I think for a lot of us, as we go through the Old Testament, it's always exciting. We always, it's always a thrill to find the parts in the Old Testament that point to Jesus, that say this is an illustration, this is a picture of the coming Messiah. Uh, you know, we, we go through. Uh, uh, in, we've been going through Hebrews in Sunday school. And in, in Genesis, Abraham meets Melchizedek. That's a picture of Jesus before we know Jesus as he came to earth. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, the Son of God comes to, you know, we say angel, but in, in my mind, that is a picture of reincarnate, re-in, pre-incarnate Jesus come to tell Sarah she's gonna have a son. Uh, Jacob lays down and in and, and his vision sees angels going back. He's seeing, uh, the, you know, the, the Son of God, the angel come and wrestles with him. He's seeing a picture of Jesus, an illustration of the pre-incarnate Christ. So as we go through the Old Testament, there's lots of examples of this. And it's always, uh, it's, it's always a real treat. It's always exciting to study those, read about them. And, you know, this is how we learn about the coming Messiah. Well, now here we are, when Paul is writing to Philemon, we're on this side of the cross. The Messiah has come and has gone back to heaven. And so we don't think so much about uh, about seeing these illustrations or these things that we had seen before. But to me, this, these, these few verses, verses 8 through 22, it's a pretty good picture of, uh, of seeing uh, an example of God the Father, God the Son, and mankind now kind of hang with me here as we go through this a little bit Philemon is the master Uh, so he's kind of taking the role of God here he's the master Onesimus the servant rebels and runs away Paul takes him in shows him the gospel brings him to salvation and offers to pay his debt sends him back to the master saying, I will pay the debt. So what do we have here? We have, the, we have the master, we have the savior, and we have the slave that's run away. Well, in, in that scene, in that uh, setup, we are Onesimus. We take the role, every one of us. The master, God the creator, he made us. We are his. We belong to him. And someday we will see him. We will meet him face to face. That is not a when. That's not an if. That's a when. It will happen. Okay. In the meantime, here in in our rebellion, we find that we have a savior that has paid our debt, and it's simply a matter of have we accepted it? When we meet the savior, when we meet the master, are we going to be in a state of rebellion? Are we going to be in a state of forgiveness and restoration? Now, the good part about that is we are in control of that decision. We're not in control of whose we are and when we will meet him. We're not in control of that. But we are in control of the decision of the will we be forgiven and restored or will we be in a state of rebellion? That's what we can do something about. And so that I think, you know, that's what I took out of this. That's what stood out to me as I read through these verses. Now, I'm quite anxious to hear what some of the rest of you have to, you know, have to say. 
What did you hear? What did you learn from this? So we also ask, well, what became of Onesimus when he got back to Philemon? What happened to him? Well, we're not real sure. We think uh, because of, of other references in the Bible, and not so much there's the, the Bible, the narrative in the Bible is not clear, doesn't speak specifically to what happened to Onesimus, but we think that he came back to Paul. We think that Philemon, you know, that things were made right, and we think that Onesimus came back to Paul. We're not sure of it. However, we do know that many years after Paul wrote this to Philemon, um, from, from secular church history, from, from church history was written down, and from secular writings, we do know that a guy named Ignatius, uh, in, in church writings, writings of church history, referred to Bishop Onesimus, who was profitable to the church at Ephesus. Well, what does Paul say in verse 11? He says, Onesimus has been profitable. So we think maybe he's this, this guy writing years later is writing about the same guy, Onesimus, when he refers to him as Bishop Onesimus. So we think that things worked out okay for Onesimus. So I would like to kind of draw a parallel from that. If we've made the right decision, made the same decision that Onesimus did, things are going to work out for us too. I hope that's a lesson we can take from that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that as we read and study it, there are lessons for us to apply to our lives every single day. Uh, We just pray that as we go on from here today, Uh, The lessons that you have for us would be made plain, and we would be open and receptive to hear them, that each one of us would be uh, in the the group of the forgiven and restored. Uh, Lord, as we go from here this morning, uh, preparing for Bible school, I just pray that each one that has a part in Bible school, the teachers, the, the superintendents, the secretaries, the playground supervisors, everyone having a part in Bible school, would be given a special measure of strength, of patience, and just a a strong feeling of your presence as they be with and minister to the children, to the ones that are coming to take part in Bible school. I just pray your special blessing on this week ahead of us. Bring us all together again, safe and in your presence. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.